Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Hello again, everyone. It's Glenn Withers here, one of the founders of the Australian Physio and Pilates Institute. And it's my pleasure to talk to you again on our Pilates 101 podcast. Um, so as we head into the second quarter of 2022 it's uh, hard to believe how quickly everything is flying once again now this episode is a really cool one i believe we're going to um tackle a really cool question which is addressing the uh differences between the sort of expectations versus reality of running a pilates business and so by that, what we mean is the differences between what things look like and what things actually take to make it work for people. So in this episode, I'm going to interview two amazing people that we just love talking to. And we like talking to them because they're very, very real in what they talk about. They're very open with their experiences and they're very honest in what it takes to be able to do what they do. And so in this episode, it is a feature on the PhysioFit and Pilates founders, Amy Clayton and Jessica Nicholson. Now, Amy and Jess have a great story. They're both uh, physiotherapists and Pilates teachers. They've trained through us here at the APPI. Um, and they're very prominent on Instagram. They do some really great local services. But they bring that sense of reality to what it actually means to run a Pilates business. Now, these guys still work full-time, so they have their, their day job, so to speak. And then like many people out there, they run Pilates classes around the commitments of both their day job and their family lives. Now, when we're having this uh, interview that you'll listen to in a moment, it's the epitome of that sort of um, reality versus that sort of expectations, again, if you like, of what it takes. Jessie's has a three and a half month old baby and the baby joins us for the interview. And so Jessie's on their day off. Um, they're doing their admin and they talk about this in the interview and they're talking to me um, while Jess is nursing her baby and all the rest of it. And these guys are a real team. They work together. They're friends. They've known each other for a long time. And you can just see how they bounce off each other and how they help each other in order to achieve their goals and their ambitions. Now, what uh, we go into in the episode here is that true context of what we're talking about now. Now, when we, we talk about this, it's, um, it's really relevant, I feel, uh, in this sort of post-COVID time, coming back out of COVID, that sort of, that sort of a, um, I guess, what am I trying to say here? The concept that for a lot of people today, they um, think, or a lot of clients, let's say, not necessarily say people, but a lot of clients, um, in constant, I don't know if you get this, but a lot of people like constantly saying to us, oh, so is it all back to normal now? Um, now, maybe it's different for some of you guys out there, but certainly our experiences are, it's by no means back to normal yet. You know, where we were as a business pre-pandemic to where we are now, they're still, you know, worlds away, to be honest. Um, and there's many, many 
challenges that we are still facing, I believe, in this industry. And now I wanted to get a perspective that is quite a bit different to my own in relation to to the episode we're delivering to you here. So obviously from um, Elisa and my point of view, we we have uh, two Pilates studio sites and they're quite large sites. Um, We have quite a large team with um, you know, around about 50 people on a day-to-day basis involved in the businesses. Um, and so for, for us, we have certain challenges that I guess that, that size and certainly managing that many people bring to the concept of expectations versus reality for us. Now, where we are here um, may not be representative of a huge amount of you guys day in, day out building your businesses. We've been running our business for 20 two years. Um, And I have to say, I don't think we've ever worked harder in those 22 years than we have over the last two to three years and still are. And we're having to, we we understand we have to put a lot more time and energy and effort into, into effectively rebuilding our business, because that, I think, is the reality of where we are. Um, Staffing is an enormous challenge right now. Um, You know, people management is an enormous issue right now as well as the issue of cancellations. And it was interesting to hear from Amy and Jess in the interview here that even though you know, uh, the concepts of our businesses might be slightly different in terms of size, we're all facing very similar issues. And speaking to uh, Amy and Jess, I wanted to really get the concept from them about what it's like for them trying to juggle all of this and build their, their businesses. Um, you know, they've had a... a, a you know, a really roller coaster last few years. You know, they, um, Amy, you know, looked to take on a studio space right before the pandemic hit, and you know, the pandemic pandemic made that um, you know not feasible for that to to continue. Like many many others did as well. Um, you know, it's it is quite heartbreaking to hear about how many studios have not made it through the pandemic. And so for all of us that are here standing and still running our businesses and our studios, I think, you know, in a way that's success over these last few years. So this concept of expectations versus reality is trying to get underneath what it is. So people expect certain things from Pilates, from Pilates teachers, from Pilates studio owners. But the reality of what it takes to actually deliver that is often um, very different for the people running those businesses compared to even the people working in those businesses and certainly the clients coming to those businesses. And so this episode is all about trying to explore that question. What are the expectations versus reality of running a Pilates business? Um, So uh, when I was talking to Amy and Jess here, I was looking at it from a number of different angles. What is it like from the sort of personal point of view, what is it like from you know, Pilates teacher point of view? What is it like from a client point of view? And what is it like from a business owner point of view? Um, and I think one thing that I will sort of preface this all with is we all do what we do in this industry because we love doing it, right? And I think that's why we put so much of our heart, our soul and our energy into what it actually takes to deliver these services and certainly to, to run businesses within this industry. And we can't ever forget in a way that we are all in this together. Uh, and I know that's quite a cliche, but we are. 
And I think we should all very much try to keep that in mind and support each other. So for those of you that are out there running your own operations, big, small, indifferent, you know, certainly from Elisa and I, we salute you because we really realise how hard it is right now, especially. And for those of you out there that are working for others, you will never know the true reality of what it takes for them to do what they're doing for you. Um, you know, if you're employed by somebody, it, you know, uh, you won't have that concept of what it takes for them to be able to ensure that that you know you're taken care of as well. And we do ask a lot of people that that work for us in this industry, but we also provide an enormous amount to them. And um, you know, please do respect the business owners out there, the studio owners, the you know, operators that are running out of church halls, whatever, because the reality of running a service in this industry, specifically at this time, um, is very, very challenging still. So a big salute to all of you from us. A you know, polite request out there to those of you to support those people that are doing this, because this question here today, expectation versus reality, really is um, quite an appropriate one, I think. But let me tell you a little bit more about Jess and Amy. Now, they will um, talk about it, obviously, in the interview here in a moment. Um, but Jess and Amy, um, they run a, a company called Physio Fit and Pilates um, in the sort of Oxfordshire, Cotswolds type area. And they run um, a number of classes per week. Now, they run out of church halls, village halls, and that creates you know, uh, another layer of complexity for them, as you'll hear in the interview as we go through um, this, this podcast. Um, but they've been running the business for a number of years. Um, it's obviously gone you know, up and down over the last two, three years with COVID. But they've stuck at it together. And they support each other and they have a shared vision and shared goals. Now, I talked to them on a Monday. That's supposedly their day off. But there they are doing hours and hours of admin, fitting me into their schedule, as well as running busy households and trying to um, hold down full-time employment as well. So I really salute the girls and I, I love as I said at the opening here, sort of how honest and open they are in what it takes. So they're going to give you some really great insight into that. They'll talk about the booking systems that they use, the challenges with how they run their businesses with uh, block payments and clients, not really recognising what that actually means at times, um, and the issue of cancellations, which is uh, still very rife, um, certainly here in the UK at the moment. And then again, that adds a layer of challenge to what it is we do as studio owners and business owners. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to the interview and we're going to be talking to Amy and Jess from PhysioFit and Pilates. Okay, and guys, as I promised, we've got a great interview lined up for you for today's episode. I'm now joined by Amy Clayton and Jess Nicholson. These are the founders of PhysioFit and Pilates. And these guys, you probably, for those of you that are familiar with APPI, you're probably following these guys already on the various social media channels as well. Um, but it's a, a pleasure to have you both here, Amy and Jess. Welcome to Pilates 101. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's our pleasure. It's our yes. pleasure. Now, look, guys, we are discussing reality, uh, sort of, um, the expectations versus reality of Pilates classes, services, business, etc. Today, um, and this is the the base of it. Jess joins us today with a three and a half 
three and a half month old baby in the in the background. So if you hear any additional noises here, that is part of what we're talking about today, which is the reality of the fact that these guys are on their so called day off today. Um, still together doing admin, running, raising families, talking to me. So I guess it starts to link into what we really talk about with the uh, the sort of expectations versus reality of running Pilates services. But guys, um, what I'd like to do is we're going to have a look at it from a couple of uh, different viewpoints. Um, so first of all, when anyone in this industry is looking at people that are successful like the two of you and are running this, this great business and you've got these great online services, you're very active on social media, um, people can think that you know, it all comes quite easy and it, it, it just works and it just happens. And, you know, you might run a certain number of classes and they the, the concept sometimes out there is, oh, look, you know, wouldn't that be amazing? You can work X number of hours per week and this is what you can build. Um, and I, I guess that's the uh, first thing in terms of this concept of expectations versus reality that I want to touch on. Um, could you give us just a rundown in terms of how many sort of classes per week, hours per week that you actually deliver services uh, versus that in terms of what it takes to be able to deliver those services, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I think um, currently we have, what is it, one, two, three, four classes, four classes a week um, of an hour each, um, but that is only the classes that we run at the moment with help from other people. So when we started, we had a lot of pressure on ourselves. So we, it was just the two of us. And we spent a lot of hours trying to build the business just with the two of us. And then we realized that we needed a bit of help from other instructors. So we have outsourced some other instructors to take some classes for us. Um, so that means that we could still have the benefit of having the business, but also just having other people teach for us. Um, so really the point of that is saying that when we first started seven years ago now, mm -hmm. it took a lot yeah. of effort at the beginning, just the two of us, where we were putting all of our time in. Our physical output, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then we got to the point where how can we reduce our physical output a little bit? to give us more time to spend on the admin side and the social media side. And that's when we got our other two instructors, which has been really helpful, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but we also work, so um, we're both employed at the same time as well. So okay. we obviously have to do those hours and, and these hours on top. So we do, obviously, like Jess says, we have the benefit of running our own business and there's lots of praise to that. But behind the scenes, there is a lot that obviously goes into it. Um, to keep it running efficiently as we can and there's obviously been the last few years have been super super challenging and actually still providing a lot of challenges at the moment um, with trying to get these face-to-face -face classes running smoothly again yes um, which, is. which is a lot of challenges yeah so tell me what are you doing at the moment then in terms of online versus face-to-face -face? what sort of what does a, a week look like for you guys well, it's been constantly changing um, since the restrictions lifted and we've gone back face to face and we were just chatting about it this morning, constantly having to reassess the situation. So we've sort of 
um, gone from taking one back face to face and then it was a bit up and down, two back face to face. Um, but we are still finding, to be fair, that um, with COVID, we get a lot of cancellations. You know, people are generally poorly and then they don't want to spread their germs because they're worried just in case. There's a lot more anxiety still about people being in these groups. And um, like I say, if they're generally unwell with a cold, they then still won't come. So then it's really hard to keep them full um, and get the numbers that you want still at the moment. Um, so we are we are still running a hybrid system, aren't we? So I was, I was just going to um, say that we had planned to kind of be online quite a lot. Yeah. But the demand from our clients is that we they wanted to return to face to face. So gradually, each of our classes has gone from online to face to face, and now we are running a, a hybrid class. So mm-hmm. our onlineers can stay online but it's essentially a stream of our face-to-face class. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is quite a challenging way to teach, isn't it? We we dabbled with that a little bit and, and we, we ended up saying this is too difficult. We're just going to separate it. Non-line is online, face-to-face is face-to-face. Um, but you've got to work with what you've got, right? Especially in these last few years, um, as, as you've touched on there, it has been a constant changing landscape. Um, so... Yeah. Let, let's take that for a moment. And um, so I'm correct in saying that you guys are running four classes per week at the moment or four classes each per week or what? what's the total there? I can get lost. Is it five? Yeah. Five. five or six, I think, now. So our instructors obviously run some and then we've got a couple each, um, one each ourselves, um, which, like I say, we're doing this hybrid system. So um, one of our instructors doesn't do a hybrid system. She just does face-to-face, and then there's three of us that are doing a hybrid system at the moment. But the, I think the challenges we're finding with that is you can't... You know, the online people, maybe before, you gave them a bit more attention, but you don't want to disrupt the face-to-face class. Yeah. So Jess has been doing it for a few weeks and is finding it okay, but then if someone arrives late, they can't arrive late because then that disrupts the class. <laughs> it's just like... It's, it's yeah. really uh, challenging, like I say, constantly reassessing, um, you know, how how it's going, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So let me ask you that in terms of this concept of what we're talking about here, sort of expectations versus reality. How many hours per week are you guys working on the business in order to deliver the services that you're talking about at the moment? I think today's a good example, isn't it? Yeah, so, so most of our Monday, I mean, we've, we always say we're very lucky because we've got each other and we work in a duo and we don't have to necessarily prompt each other. So if there's an email comes through, I know that Jess will pick it up if I don't pick it up and nothing, it rarely gets missed. So it's pretty good. But, um, you know, there's all of our Mondays are pretty much taken up by doing the admin um, so we always meet on a Monday and that's pretty much the school day gone, putting that work into the business. And then through the week, we're at work, or Jess is obviously on maternity leave at the moment, but we're at work and then you get an email and you have to answer that when you're in physio clinics and you're just juggling it through the week. So I don't really know how many hours, but it's, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Like even in the evenings, you'll be messaging me saying, oh, someone's email, can do this, can do that. So um, today, for example, we started at half ten. And we, we're, we're still doing it now. And today is entailed looking at our classes, using them, do we need to chase anybody up, planning some social media, filming some social media, talking to you, 
and then it will be evening emails as well. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, this is the thing that many people just don't. When we again, we talk about this concept of expectations versus reality. You know, uh, uh, sometimes a lot of people, especially if they don't run their own business view when you're running your own business you're at work when you're in the studio or when you're online and they don't see everything else that it takes behind the scenes you know i know for myself i you know i spend predominantly normally you know uh, mondays for me is education and, and products and the head office team and i'm in clinic tuesday wednesday and then thursday is the international and pilates tv and other stuff but a lot of the guys in clinic think I work Tuesday and Wednesday because that's when I'm in clinic. That's what they see. <laughs> and it's like, oh, did you have a nice day off yesterday? It's like, no, there's three other parts of the business that we work on. Um, yeah, you never switch off from it, do you? That's, it's always in the back of your mind. And we always, you know, when we do have a week's holiday, we always say, right, we're going to fully switch off on this week's holiday. But you never do. Like, yeah. there's always something comes up and you have to action it when you're on holidays. I mean, like I say, there's pros and cons to running your own your own business. Um, but, you know, from Tuesday to Friday, I'm generally in physio clinics teaching a class and we've got some one-to-ones that we do as well. So you're always on a time scale and just trying to fit things in. Um, and the thing we find quite tricky is there's no perfect booking system for clients either. So yeah. We've trialled going from, I think when we last spoke to you, we were using something called Momo Yoga, but we're using um, Instabook now, um, which has, again, got its benefits, but then there's some downfalls in that it doesn't factor in bank holidays. um, Or, you know, if we cancel a class because an instructor's got COVID, then we have to add those credits on to people's block bookings because we do block bookings. So it's that admin as well. And when you've got, like, six or seven classes you're then like oh no that class was cancelled because of covid last week like we haven't added the credits on for these these and these so we've found that there just isn't a perfect booking system and you do still have to really keep an eye on it yeah um, absolutely. So that creates, creates admin as well but um i mean the great thing for us is that we're really good friends and we can manage it and it's it's nice to do it together um but I can imagine if you are on your own doing it, it can be quite stressful at times. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, Gwen, but um, just before COVID hit, Amy was starting up a, a clinic, weren't you? Yeah. And um, COVID did put the kibosh on that. But I think I remember you saying how intense running that business on your own was. Yeah, absolutely. So the physio side I was doing on my own and just being a one-man band doing that with people cancelling and rebooking and doing all the physical output yourself was really quite stressful. And I just, you know, going back into a team, I've actually realised that I needed that support around me again after COVID because it was just... You know, everyone knows how challenging it was, so or still is. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's the uh, sort of what it appears on the outside versus what it takes, and all the sort of you know, the stress and the anxiety and the worry around actually delivering those services as well. Um, let's look at it if we can from actually. Uh, setting up your classes so where do you the the live classes where are you running those from is it your own facility are you renting somewhere what's that like for you guys we we, we use a local hall you do we use different local halls yeah now so we have again so we had a studio 
Um, but with COVID, we handed in our notice on the rent because um, that was costing us quite a lot of money. So we've gone yeah. back to using local halls. Um, so we've got um, three or four locations that we use um, sort of within, I don't know, sort of 12 mile radius. Um, so yeah, okay. that's what we're doing. At the All moment. right. So. so this is, uh, yeah, this is a really interesting part of what I wanted to touch on as well, because in, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are doing a similar sort of thing. And, you know, from our point of view, we're fortunate to have, you know, our own studio. So the setup is pretty straightforward. It's there. You go into class, you teach your class, you come out. We started, when we first started our business, the same thing, you know, church halls, village halls, different things. So what's that? what does it take for you guys to actually get the class set up in terms of, what about the, you know, do you, people bring their own mats? Do you supply mats, head cushions? What, how much before class starts do you have to get there? What's all that? What's the reality of actually putting on a class in a church hall, village hall for you guys? Yeah, so exactly that. So, I mean, obviously when I had the studio, I could set up all the mats how I wanted them before people got there. I had shelves and shelves of equipment and I would just hand them out. Obviously with COVID, we went through the whole thing where people had to have their own mats. Um, bring their own equipment, wipeable head covers. So now, I mean, we obviously get there 15, 20 minutes early, set up the tripod to stream it, set up our station, and then you've got the um, clients coming in and they'll tend to just put their mats anyway. <laughs> so you're trying to guide them. No, no, don't put them there. We need them like this so everyone can see. So and some people forget their mats. So obviously you have to have spares, but I I mean now we people generally do have their own equipment that they bring with them. We do keep spares, so we use the weighted balls, the loop bands, the circles. So, you know, if people haven't got them, we'll just hand them out and then wipe them when we're done. Um but also people turn up without equipment sometimes, um, that just don't want to buy any so it's like well we can give it out we can do it without the equipment so we do have to adjust the class accordingly um with that as well so that's another challenge um so yeah you do need time to set up and you do have to adjust continuously to who's in your class whether they've got equipment what level they are um you know some are more capable and not uh, than others so that's where our levels come in but when you've got the online and the base to base that's another challenge in those levels so yeah it's difficult um but it's doable and um, just need to give yourself more time and obviously give people clear direction where they come in um of where you want them to be yeah um yeah we were talking about that this morning weren't we yeah and what, I, what i tend to do is say to people we're going to use weights weighted balls if you don't have weighted balls please can you bring a couple of tins for example okay. so it's just trying to find those home bits that you can use instead of towels um, and yeah towels and all sorts yeah mm-hmm. trying to find alternatives to yeah. make it a bit easier yeah and then like you know when you're streaming you've got your wi-fi so you keep your fingers crossed that that's going to be perfect for your class <laughs> um, and there's not going to drop off and you lose people off the connection so um that's the other challenging element in a hall as well when yeah. you're at home you know pretty good but yeah, yeah, for sure. And so with the equipment that you're using there, do you let people know in advance what equipment is needed or do the people that come just sort of bring their own little home kit? How does that work? 
Yeah, so on our booking system, um, we've got the option to like email the whole class. So we tend to send out a reminder, A, to attend, <laughs> and B, to tell them what they need to bring for that week. So that's quite handy. That is a nice little feature. Um, and again, if we need to cancel, we can email quite quickly the whole class. Um, you do get people that do turn up and they've forgotten to book on. So, mm. you know, that's where the spares will then come in. But yeah, we can do that. I because we're starting to have new clients now that haven't been online and haven't accumulated their equipment. I'm having to tell people as we go, try and like make a little equipment bag. So buy a bag and fill it with a couple of weights and theraband, a circle, and then bring it with you each week if you can, so that they have got it with them. Um, but mm-hmm. generally, we can email out to let people know what we're going to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because that adds another layer of work, right? I assume that's not an automated process. It's something that you guys have to do. And it is good, obviously, you can email the whole group through your booking system, but still the actual writing of that email, thinking about your class plans, all of that, that, you know, so we're talking about, and how long are your, how long are your classes? 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Um, to an hour. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so... That 50 minutes to an hour class, the reality of actually putting that on, you know, is almost double in time. You've got 15, 20 minutes before the class starts, get it set up. Obviously, at the end of class, you've then got to pack all of that up. Yeah. You've got your travel, you've got the admin. The as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as this all comes into thinking about your sort of pricing as well, mm. because... You know what it's like in our profession. You just want to help people, um, and we hate being the face of the money, um, certainly from mine and Jess's point of view. Um, so, you know, people, we do block bookings and we do do single passes, but with our block bookings, it has to be a consecutive six weeks. Um, and if you don't attend, you don't get your pass back. And And we do get you know little issues around that where people want more flexibility but we do try and stick to our policy now and these are the rules um that's where the block bookings come in and the single passes um as i say it's really hard um when people email and say oh i was poorly this week and i couldn't attend um can you push my pass to the end of my block and you like your heart just sinks because you're, you're such a small business you can't really factor in just moving people's passes around you know if they don't attend they don't attend mm-hmm. in these bookings where they get their sort of discount you see across yep. the six weeks yeah it's interesting isn't it because a lot of people don't really get the concept of why you're pricing it based on the upfront payment of a block booking versus pay yeah. as you go <laughs> the concept of a block exactly. booking is this is the block booking right not here you go get it much yeah. cheaper but still decide whether you want to come or go or move because all of that again yeah. adds layers of work and complexity for you guys it, right? layers, it really does add layers of work and um that's what we've been doing today exactly that you know making sure everyone's credits are correct and the ones that have emailed and said well i wasn't there this week can you add it onto this block and just as night <laughs> But yeah, you know, yeah. it's all fun and games. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, teaching the class, we still get that buzz from doing the yeah, class. Exactly. We still feel super happy after you've done it. And, you know, it's all of that. And um, 
We have you to, know, we've learned to be firm, haven't we? We, we have learned to be more assertive and more firm. And I think you have to, you know, we get new instructors coming to us with all, with all of these same issues and, it's, and we say the same thing. You just have to set out your stall and be firm about it. Um, and people will respect you in the end for that. Um, and if you get the odd one that doesn't, then now we're just like, well, that is what it is, I'm afraid. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because it, it takes a, a while on the journey to actually reach that point as well, doesn't it? To have the confidence Absolutely. to say, okay, these are the terms and conditions. This is what you've signed up for, etc. And and sometimes it is challenging because ultimately all we want to do is help people. But at the end of the day, you do have a business to run, and yeah. sometimes you will get a client that just doesn't fit the model. And sometimes you have to say, look, uh, it is unfortunate, but maybe this isn't right for that person yeah, given definitely. what it is that they're demanding of you. Yeah, I think that um, with APPI, generally people are doing Pilates to make a little bit of extra money on top of their job if they're not making it their sole job. And so if you're trying to make money, you have to be assertive and you have to set out the rules because people do try and... It's not take advantage, but we, we understand they need a flexibility, but at the same time, we're, we're trying to run a business, so it is tricky. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Let, let's, sorry, Amy, let, let's take it on to a little bit of that client expectation then because there. I don't know about you guys, but as this sort of barrage of social media has come up and everything looks beautiful and perfect and every Pilates class is in what looks like a, a spa or by the ocean or all these amazing things and then you're trying to run a business and sell a service at a certain amount but you know we can't all offer five-star spa environments for our clients to have their (laughs) Pilates classes in what's that like for you guys in terms of the client's expectation versus the reality of obviously having to run classes out of church halls village halls etc I think can I I think I think the hall does matter a little bit um, we've got a couple because we live in just outside of the Cotswolds, so we have two very like what I would describe as cutesy halls that mm-hmm. are attractive mm. and nice, mm. and people do like going to those halls. And then we've got your standard like community hall, which is just your local hall. Yeah. And I think we we did have one hall, didn't we, that was a little bit run down. The heating didn't always work, and. It, it was it was difficult navigating things like the heating not working and the door not working. Mm. So you have to do kind of choose a hall that is set up for what you want it to provide. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've got, like Jess said, we did have one with a, with a few issues and it's embarrassing. It can be yeah. really embarrassing when those things fail and, you know, and you do want the perfect environment. Um, but ultimately... Like we always, it's the content of the class and the quality of the class that you're delivering that that matters, not the aesthetics, um, which which should be the overall factor. Um, but you know, when it is things like heating in the winter, and you get there and you've got a freezing cold hall, like we've, we had um, a few months ago, the last person in the hall left the doors wide open and the heating was off, and then we're like, we haven't got time to heat this hall before everyone arrives. So, yeah. Um, you know, things like that matter, but actually the aesthetics of the hall shouldn't matter. It should be the content of what you're delivering. Mm-hmm. And as physios and, you know, always keeping up with your continuing professional development and training, we hope that the content is always quality of what we're delivering. 
Yes, it, uh, it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because you're right, it should be the quality of the teaching and the content of the class. But it feels like at times the sort of falsity in a way of what is being put across sometimes on social media has changed the expectations of the client's view and expectation of what it is that that we're offering and that perhaps, you know, the whole environment has has somehow become a little... And it is important. I agree with what you're saying. It is important, but it adds another challenge, doesn't it, to saying, okay, I might be really, really good at what I do, but how do I create that entire environment at a way that I can still run a business from that? Yeah. I think we all feel the pressure of social media, absolutely, and the aesthetics of it and how it portrays everything should look. Um, And we have had in the past, haven't we, where we've had clients turn up and they come from these amazing places in the Cotswolds and they turn up at this little hall and then I'm like, ooh, is it, is it in here? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> you know, and also, we, you like your social media to look good, but actually, like I say, it, is, it shouldn't matter where you are. It is the content that you're putting out. I think another thing to say as well is if you do have the local hall that is lovely and attractive, you also then get competition because everybody wants to be in that hall. Yeah. So it's finding a hall that's free. Yeah. Because we've got a local hall that we would like to use, but it's chock a block. It's full to the rim. Yeah. yeah, you just can't get in places. Um that was another challenge coming back, was actually getting the times that you'd set for your classes and transferring them back face to face. Finding the hall and the times that you mm. want. So yeah. yeah. This is tricky and the aesthetics like I say of social media can be can be quite challenging and put pressure definitely yeah, for sure interesting yeah i mean you know again just speaking to you guys that's it's interesting because that's you know something that when you have your own studio you're not as conscious of you guys bringing your classes back face to face it actually is quite complex because it's not like you can just decide okay we're going to take that one you have to find the hall and the availability and all of those concepts around it so that's you know it's interesting to to hear that viewpoint um, yeah. It's also an added cost as well. We have to factor in because you've now got you've got the instructor to pay, but also the hall hire to pay as well. Mm. So it does make a difference. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, it's going up, isn't it? In cost, it so, is. It is. Well, yeah. um, all right. So we've we've touched on a few points here in terms of obviously from the business setup point of view, the client point of view, uh, the the teacher point of view a little bit. The sort of final thing I wanted to ask is and you've just touched on it there, you've moved from um, running your own business sort of in addition to full-time work as well. And now you're bringing on um, other people into your business, which is needed to help you out. But again, that adds on a layer of complexity when you're now relying on other people turning up to deliver classes and delivering the experience in the same way and setting up the class in the way you want it and, you know, creating that environment and the appropriate communications and the trust issues with having other people involved. Um, so what's what's the reality of that for you guys in terms of now layering on managing other people as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a small team and we meet up with them regularly to discuss our classes and how they're going but that can be an issue as well I mean we're all APPI trained but there's different personalities and how you come across in the class and people get used to what instructor they want to teach them so when you end up 
covering a class or changing things around, that becomes an issue because those clients say, well, well, well I preferred so-and-so teaching me this. And, mm-hmm. and that does happen. And then you lose people because, you know, for example, Jess going on maternity leave, we've juggled her timings around. Um, and you do lose people because they want that particular person. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, we're never, we're human beings. We're never all going to teach exactly the same. Yeah, Otherwise, exactly. we wouldn't be robots. Um, so everyone brings their uniqueness to the class. Um, but that is a major challenge. People do really get used to that one instructor. So when you have to cover it, it does become an issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is really tricky. Yeah. Um, what I would say about the instructors is, is that we are so lucky that we've got really trustworthy yeah absolutely and reliable instructors and the fact just being reliable is yeah. just so helpful if you get someone on board who then cancels on you all of a sudden and you've got a class of people yeah. it's really tricky to then cover that so um no they are well they are brilliant and they're local to us um and we really do trust them um and they always turn up early for the clients and and, you know, they always feed back to us about the class um, and they're great. Um, so that really, really helps. And we have in the past had some tricky, yeah. tricky instructors and, and it hasn't worked. And, so and again, you have to cut ties and be open and honest and just say um, um, <laughs> it's not working. So, um, yeah, you know, that does add a, another layer. But yeah. when, when you get a good one, hold on to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's hard work because you don't know until you start working with people because they can sound amazing, the CV can look amazing, but in the end you've got to actually start to learn and get to know that person a, a little bit as well. Um, one of our instructors, we were lucky from she was training at the start when she joined us with the APPI and we did a lot of her exam prep with her and she came to our classes and we watched her teach. So that was really nice. So she kind of grown with us um, and she's brilliant. Um, so we hope that she, she stays with us for a long time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was a nice journey with her. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, look, guys, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. For those of you listening to this, um, this has been the sort of epitome of, of juggling everything. We've, we've got... <laughs> Baby's in the background. Jess is talking to us with uh, another little person uh, on her shoulder as well. Um, and it, I can see how much of a, a team you two are, <laughs> even in taking care of the little one there. Um, so it's a real credit to the both of you, your, your friendship, your business, everything that you're doing, life and families. Um, you know, we, we love talking to you guys. We love hearing about because you're very open and honest with how things are. And uh, I think that's what everyone out there listening to this will be able to, to take away from this. So um, look, we're going to um, finish it up here. But before we go, I'd uh, just like to throw it across to you guys, if you can just give everyone uh, a bit of insight about the, the business, the classes, anyone in and around the Cotswolds that might want to get in touch with you guys, social media, that sort of stuff. How can people find you, follow you, get to know you? Yeah, um, so we've got a website. It's www.physiofitandpilates.com. Um, so you can find all of our services and booking platform on there. We're on Instagram as Physiofit and Pilates and Facebook. And we're um, in Carterton. Yeah, we're in Carterton in West Oxfordshire, which is um, literally in the Cotswolds, basically. Um, so you can find us on the website on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want any more information or ask us any more questions we're more than happy to answer anything we, d- we did have lots after our last little chat people contacting us so that That's was good. great and it's a really positive boost for us chatting to you 
about everything as well. And um, yeah, we really appreciate you having us. So thank uh, you very much. It's our, it's our pleasure. And I must say, it's great for us because I can say that um, all of the issues that you guys are talking about, we have the same issues that we're facing in, in getting our clinics and, and trying to get them sort of back up and running. The last few years have, have been um, certainly... Uh, very challenging to put it politely for for everyone I think in this industry. So a real credit to we you guys. Going. Exactly. I mean that's the thing, right? We're still yeah. here. We're still going. So that that's been success in these last few years, right? Just staying upright. Um, but look, <laughs> thank you again for your time. Best of wishes to you guys from a, a professional and a personal point of view. And um, I really really appreciate you giving us your your time, especially on this so called day off of yours. And there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that insight into that question of expectations versus reality from Amy and Jess there from PhysioFit and Pilates. So just to go over that again, so you get that, guys, it's PhysioFit and Pilates. That's and A-N-D, physiofitandpilates.co.uk. Um, you can find them on Instagram, you can find them on the website there. And if you're um, in and around the area uh, they talk about there in the sort of Oxfordshire, Cotswold area, uh, give them a call, check out their classes. Um, and I cannot uh, recommend them highly enough to any of you that are listening there. And what I would like to do here is to throw that same question out to you. I'd really love to hear your stories. Um, you know, we'd love to hear if there's anyone specifically that you want us to get onto the podcast to interview that inspires you or you're just interested by. But let's hear from you guys that are out there running your businesses now on this question, expectations versus reality of running your Pilates services, big, large, small, indifferent, whatever it may be. Let's hear from you. Um, send us a voice recording, send us a email um, into info at appihealthgroup.com. We'd love to hear your stories and then we'd love to be able to share them as well. So from me, from Elisa and from all the team at APPI, thank you for listening to this episode of Pilates 101 and I'll be back next month with another interesting and I hope uh, very worthwhile episode for you next month. Good luck to you all. I'll speak to you soon. Bye now.